0: Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Amen. How many have a thank you before the Lord today? How many can just say thank you to the Lord this morning? Amen. I want you to just take a moment. Can we just lift our hands and can we log in with the username thank you? Amen. Can we just kind of log in with the password praise? Amen. This morning, the Bible says enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Amen. So this morning, Lord, we come to you, Lord, and we say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done, Lord. We're not who we should be or want to be, but, Lord, we're not who we used to be. And I thank you, Lord, this morning that if it had not been for you, I would not be here today, Lord. I say a big thank you to you, Lord. I owe you so much, Lord, and I love you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're so happy that you're here today and that... uh, it's summer, and that uh, you made it this morning. We uh, are excited about. Well, we're getting ready to get into the last really month of summer. Can you believe that? We were just so waiting for summer to happen, and just boom, that goes by just like that. But. Uh, Hope you're feeling well. Hope you're doing well. And if you're joining us online this morning, God bless you. We hope that God touches you and blesses you through anything that we say today or do. That's our real hope: is that really just see God, feel God, know God a little bit more uh, than you did the other day. So we're just uh, instruments. We're just here saying, God. We're just trying to let you flow through us and and move through us. And so, but anyways, I uh, just wanted to share something that. Um, In the next few weeks, I think it's so necessary. And the Lord's just been placing it on my heart for months and months and uh, just to talk about it. And I really uh, can say when it comes to marriage, uh, I'm not an expert teacher. I'm an experienced learner. Anybody? How many are there? You're an experienced learner. You can say, all the husbands can lift their hands. I'm an experienced learner. I may not be professional and I'm not an experienced teacher. I'm just an experienced learner. So I want to talk to you about family matters. And I just really feel that it's so important that we are uh, really balanced in our message about uh, grace and truth and, and uh, family. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in so many spiritual high things, but how many know it's good to have those spiritual high things in our lives, but it's also uh, the ability to walk through the valleys and walk through life. And God's, how many know God's word teaches us to do both? Amen. How many know you can soar with wings of eagles, but you can also walk through valleys and you can walk through life situations because of God's word? So we just want to do that. Next few weeks, when we want to talk about family matters and, and uh, some of the things. So I just want to open up. And again, we're just going to get through this and talk about it a little bit. So I'm going to start in Genesis, the perfect place to start when we talk about family in Genesis chapter one. So if you'll turn in your Bible or click on your device. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and then I'll skip over to uh, chapter, 20, or chapter 2, and then we'll read a verse. So starting in verse uh, 26 of Genesis chapter 1, talking about family matters this morning. The Bible says that God said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. ...and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea... ...and the birds of the sky, and the livestock, and all the wild animals... ...and over all the creatures that move on the ground. And so God created mankind in His own image. And in the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Verse 31 says that what God saw that He created these things... ...He said it's very good. And He was pleased. And in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 24... God spoke and he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It's God's will, amen, to build strong families and strong marriages. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. This morning, can we just pray over God's word and and what we want to share this morning? Father, we just thank you for joining us and we joining you in your presence today. And you showed up, Lord, and I thank you so much that, Lord, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you, Lord, that we have this ability to hear your word today and to experience life. Because your your word is spirit and it is life. And every time I read your word, Lord, every time we get into your word, something happens to our hearts. And so today I'm asking, Lord, you that as we get into your word, something will happen on the inside of our hearts, Lord. Change us from the inside out, Lord, that we could be a glory and a praise and a witness in the earth for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. How many know we need a move of God in our homes? Amen. We need to see God move in our homes like never before in our nation. I, I remember the quote that I read and a sign uh, when I was in South Africa that said the greatness of a nation begins in the homes of its people. Amen. But we could also say that likewise the destruction of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And I don't know about you, but God wants us to be a great people. Amen. God's called us to be a great people. And therefore, things have to happen in our home. It's got to start in our home. You know, years ago, I I thought of this as that, you know, religious people have a tendency to, to make everything about church, that revival's got to happen in church, and then somehow it goes to your home, and then it affects your heart. But how many know it has to start in your heart? It's got to go to your home, and then it gets into the house of God. And that's the way God wants revival to happen ...in our nation is that it has to start in our our hearts, right? But it's got to get in our homes. God wants to infiltrate the homes of our nation and get into our homes. And I believe that it's God's will to build strong families. It's God's will that we build strong families. And I think that what I'm hearing is a modern cry today. A cry in our generation, our culture, yes, it's for peace... Yes, it's for all these things, but the greatest cry is the cry for family. The cry not just for love, but the cry for family. Amen. Our culture knows relationships, but we know very little about family. And I believe that with all my heart. And I also believe that before this pandemic came, there was another pandemic. <laughs> and it was called Broken Homes. It, it was a, it's still there. It, it hasn't changed And God wants us to be able to say not get caught up or distracted or or our hearts lose, uh, you know, uh, courage. But God wants us to say, look, let's let's keep continue to focus on what's important in our communities and our nation. And that is the homes. And that is the pandemic, really, of the broken homes. And how many know you can't take a vaccine for it? We just need healing. Amen. We don't need a vaccine for broken homes. We just need healing. We need God's healing. The Bible says in the Old Testament that if we'll pray and cry out to God, He'll hear us and He'll heal our land. How many can honestly slip up your hand to heaven and say, I admit we got some broken homes. We've got some broken issues. We've got some things that God needs to heal. And I don't think it's a secret today. And I don't think it's a a, a real uh, big mystery that we've got to fix our homes, things have got to happen, revival's got to hit our homes, amen. And you know, I worked with teenagers for many years, and I, I could tell you where to find teenagers, where we could reach teenagers. You go down, back in the day it was the mall, or it was the parking lots, or it's the, you know, the skate parks, and it's this and that, and it's the basketball courts. So we, could, we could find teenagers to reach teenagers, but how many know that really wasn't the issue? The issue was the parents. The reason kids were out late and on drugs and, and committing all kinds of crimes is because some broken things were happening at home. Amen. And my heart was, God, help us reach the homes. I don't know where to find the parents. Where do we go? I guess the malls. I don't know. Wegmans. I don't know. Where do where we find the source of the brokenness? And so God wants us to pray and ask the Lord where we can begin to search for The uh, the brokenness. But let me just say this, that more than ever before, there's, we know this, there's more fatherless homes and there's more uh, unmarried women than ever before. In fact, there's around 17 million uh, father absent homes that children grow up with in America right now. And there's about 15 million unmarried uh, women who are raising children in America. In fact, the divorce rate is still climbing over 55%. It fluctuates a little bit, but it's still there. It's still right there. That's not good. And in fact, a recent poll that I read, it said that 76% of people believe that it's morally acceptable to get a divorce. And in fact, it went on to state that 65% of people believe that it's morally acceptable to have children out of wedlock. How many know something needs to happen? A mindset needs to happen. A change needs to happen. And you know, people are running the streets and acting ridiculous today because something has to happen in their hearts. Amen. And we can try to legislate things. We can try to, you know, uh, vote for things. But honestly, it has to happen in the hearts of men. We've got to see a change in the hearts of people. Can anybody say amen? And there is the battleground lies right there. It's in our homes. The battleground for our nation, the battleground for the gospel is on our homes. Amen. That's where the battleground is. How do I know that? Because way back in the garden, there was a plan to disrupt and destroy the family. Oh, yes, there was. And there was a plan way back at the very beginning. We read the scripture of God's pur- purpose, God's design, God's plan. And right after that, the Bible says who showed up? The devil showed up. And, he, and if he couldn't destroy the family, he wanted to disrupt the family. He wanted to change what the, the family dynamics and rename it and, and kind of redefine family. And he wants to disrupt it if he can't destroy it. But how many know, amen, God's not going to allow him to do that, amen. There's a remnant of people in this room that say, my family is going to serve the Lord and we're going to be strong and we're going to get this thing right, amen. Hallelujah. And we're going to affect other people in our neighborhoods and my family because of it. And so I believe there is a spirit to destroy the family that was started way back in the beginning. But also, how many know God's plan is always stronger? God's purpose will always prevail. God's will will always prevail over the enemy's will. Amen. And so I believe that. I'm lining that up with that. And the reason I know that there's a spirit against marriage and against family and against children, obviously of all the things we see in our nation, but I experienced this firsthand. God opened my eyes several years ago. Many of you have heard this story that we were invited, my brother and I were invited to go to Holland to, do, uh, to help a church do an open air meetings and in the city of Amsterdam and uh, just tremendous meetings. But uh, before we went and we were preparing for the meetings, they, we were going downtown and they were just kind of showing us around. And one of the things they said is, uh, this was years ago, I don't know if it's changed, but they said that the largest satanic church is in Amsterdam, in all of Europe. It's the largest satanic church and they do a lot of festivals and things like that. But one of the things they do is that every year they had a, a march. They would bring in other uh, churches and other, uh, you know, um, Satanists and, and uh, wizards and all these things. And one of the things they would do is they would have a, a march in the, in the city and they would pray against all the churches. They would pray against all the pastors. They would curse all the pastors and all the churches. A lot of them would have pictures of the churches and the pastors. And they would curse them. But you know what they would do? They would curse all the marriages. It would curse all the children and families. I don't know about you, but the devil knows that if we get it together at home, he's in serious trouble. Because it has to do with God's purpose. has to do with God's will. And when, when God gets, amen, when his will gets accomplished, the glory of the Lord begins to fill the earth when we get it right at home. Amen. And so the enemy knows that if I can hinder the glory of God in the homes, I'm going to hinder it in the earth. And so I saw that so clear, and I believe that God has really opened up the door to the OC, the outreach center for our church, so that the whole church can reach the whole family. And I believe that God is is kind of uh, shaping that for us and kind of sharpening that vision for us of how we're going to reach families for the glory of God. How many want to reach families? Amen? Come on, how many want to reach children and teenagers and single moms and dads and single women and men? I-, I want to reach the family for the glory of God. And we're going to do it in Jesus' name. And so I believe that this, the OC marks a new, not just a new day for us, but it new, marks kind of a new chapter that God is doing in our nation. He's saying that you've got to get out of your four walls as a church, and you've got to go and reach the families. Amen. Thank God we've had programs uh, over the years. We've had ministries that reach children. We've had ministries that reach teenagers. We've had ministries that reach the men and women. But we've got to reach the family. Amen. We've got to reach the family. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to bless all the families in my city. I want, to, I want to be a blessing to all the families in my neighborhood. Amen. Right? And in your family. And so let's look at the scripture that we talked about today in Genesis and talk about it. The beginning... Uh, in the very beginning, this is what we discovered. Let me just go through some things. I'm going to take some notes today. So I'm going to try to treach a little bit. That's preaching and tre- and teaching at the same time. So that's my gift. I treach. And, uh, so I'm going to try to do that. And anyways, in the beginning, one of the things we see about families, number one, family matters. Family matters to God. I mean, God designed it. He uh, established Family. It was established by God. He designed it from really from his heart. Think about it. This came from the heart of God. This came from the blueprint of family and the pattern of family came from the heart of God. And number two, he ordained it for his purpose. God ordained families for his purposes. And so I know that family matters to God. How many can say family matters to God? Yes, it does. And you know, from Genesis to Revelation, it's, it, there's so much teaching about marriage and family. In fact, in the beginning, it starts with a wedding, and at the end, it ends with a wedding. Come on, somebody. Amen. At the very beginning, there was a wedding, and how many know in the book of Revelation, it says there's going to be a wedding at the end? Amen. Hallelujah. And so it's full of that. So family matters to God. Number two, family is essential. And you know, during this time that we've, Uh, you know, we were at home and we were, uh, there was that charge to stay at home. How many know that noticed that there was more families taking walks together? It was more families doing game night together. I want to thank the Lord for that. I want to thank the Lord that it helped people realize what was important in life. It helped people. Yes, Yes, it did. It helped people. I talked to so many people that said, I was thankful, amen, because, you know, I began to talk to my family more, amen. It's kind of like that one teenager said, you know, that the, their Wi-Fi went down. So they, they met some people in, in their home and they talked to them and they seem like nice people. Right? Amen. It's called their family. And uh, so family is essential. It's essential to life. All, all life. It's not just essential to us. It's essential to all life. How many know there's plants that have families? Yes, they do. Amen. Even some rocks got some families. But God made it so it's essential to all life. And so I believe that the further we get away from God in our nation, the further we get away from what's essential. The further we get away from what's priority, what's important, the further we get away from God. But how many know as we're praying, this has really helped people during this time to get close to God? Oh yeah, yes it has. And it's helped people. And so family is essential. In fact, when uh, Paul was teaching in the book of Ephesians, he said that and gave the picture of marriage and the picture of the family talking about the church. He said that it's Christ, and the church is like the family. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and, and we are the family of God. And so when it that's how essential it is, it's so important. And thirdly, the family is good to God. Notice what it said in verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1. He looked at what he had created, what he started, and he said, it's very good. So family is good. God. And so in the beginning as we see it, God said that it is what the word there, very good is it's perfect. How many know God is perfect? We're not good. We're not perfect. We're not righteous. We're not holy. We have taken on His holiness. We've received His righteousness. Anybody? Come on. It's not my holiness. It's His holiness. It's not my goodness. It's His goodness that I live in. Come on. And so anything that we do for God that's considered good it has to be God's way and God's purpose. And so it's, the Bible says it's perfect. God said it's good. And what that meant was, it's not our kind of perfect, but what it meant was, it was pleasing to Him. It was pleasing to Him. So when God said it's very good, it's pleasing. And so how many know God wants marriages that are pleasing to Him? How many know you don't have to have the perfect marriage, but you can have a good marriage? Come on, we can criticize people and say, well, you don't have a perfect marriage, but we could ask those people and say, well, we have a good marriage. Amen? Why? Because it's pleasing to God. It's according to God's way. And you look at your family and you say, well, it's not perfect. But you know what? God loves your family. And God's called you to the family. And God wants you to make your family good. Amen? And when you go God's way, how many of that's a good way. And so if you're living God, God's principles in your family, that's a good thing. And so we do need good families. We do need a good, healthy families. And how many know just because you're married doesn't mean you're good? Come on, just because you're married doesn't mean you're healthy. Just because you have a father in the house doesn't mean it's a healthy relationship. So we have to go God's way. And so God wants it to be good. And in order for it to be good, we have to do it God's way. The fourth thing is, is that family is God's order. Family is God's order. Not only does design, but his order, his pattern, his structure, his standard, if you will. God's order is unchangeable. Every time God says something in order, it's unchangeable. God's order is good. It's the standard. And can I tell you something? God's standard is normal. When God sets something up and He says it's good, that means it's normal. A lot of people don't know what normal is anymore. How many know if you go God's way, that's normal? Amen? How many know when you got saved, you came back to normal? You were out there and you were starting to get abnormal. You were a little out there, right? Come on, you were away from God. That was abnormal. Walking in living a life outside of God is abnormal. But God designed it that when we walk with the Lord from the very beginning, it'd be normal that we walked with Him. It'd be normal that we talked to Him. It'd be normal that we knew Him. And so when we get saved, God brings us back to the normal. And His standard is normal. Amen. And so that's why we preach God's standard here in our church, because it's not our rules, not our standard, it's God's. And his, his standard is good. Amen. And so I'm just still kind of building this foundation. Family is, is God's order. And uh, from the very beginning, God's glory is fulfilled through family. So His order is and His purpose is to have His glory in the earth and that comes through family. And when we fell, we fell from God's order. But how many know when we're restored, we're restored back to God's order through Jesus Christ. And I, I believe that uh, we as a church really need to are challenged in this day to live above really the world's definition of family. That's our challenge. We've got to live above it, don't we? We, we, There are so many stereotypes in the world that don't know God about what a family looks like and what marriage is and how to raise children and children's response to parents. But how many know when we go God's way and fulfill God's order, come on, all of a sudden we know peace, we know righteousness, we know true love, we know what it is to be a family. Because we're doing it God's way and God's order. In fact, when God made Eve and He brought Eve to Adam, He established both of them forever. That's what we read. God's order is forever, right? And He established them. And that includes He established gender forever. Anybody listening? He established gender forever. And He established marriage forever. And the definition of marriage forever. That's God's order. And how many know if we try to get outside of God's order, all we have is confusion and frustration, and, and come on, we have, we're lost without God's order. We, we are I don't know if you knew that. Amen, it's, we're just lost without God's, God's order. And the last thing that we see here is that uh, through Genesis chapter one is that God upholds family by His covenant. God upholds it. God stands by it. It's His covenant. God made a covenant with man, and it started with a family. One of His first covenants were with marriage and with family. And one of His first commands with blessing was with family. Is that right? Be fruitful and multiply. That was one of His first commands. It was with blessing. And so this is the heart of God, and this is the heart of it all, really, is we're coming back to the covenant God made with us. This is what it's all about, covenant. And so I want to just go into this today about God's covenant with us. God's covenant with us was really designed by His love. We know that. I mean, it was just really fashioned according to His love for us. That's why God made covenant. The way He made covenant with us, it was because of the love of God. And so covenant involves a few things. As you study covenant, it involves sacrifice, doesn't it? It involves agreement. It in- involves parties joining together. That's covenant. And it, ag- it kind of involves maintaining that covenant. covenant. That's what it's about. So a covenant really is about sacrifice, agreement, joining together, and maintaining it. That's what a covenant is all about. How many know when Jesus made a covenant with us, he sacrificed his life? Amen. He sacrificed his life. And there was an agreement. The Bible says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. Though your sins be scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. How many know when you repented, you were forgiven? That's an agreement. Yeah, you came into that agreement. and So that's what covenant has to do with. And it has to do with a joining of usually parties coming together and being one, agreeing on one thing. So our first priority as Christians or as people, our first priority really is to thrive or as the Bible used the term to dwell in covenant. That's our first priority is to live in covenant. Did you know that? Live from covenant or live out of covenant. Live in covenant means to live from covenant. In other words, you never stop living from what Jesus did at Calvary. You always live and your Christian life and experience out of that covenant Jesus made at Calvary. How many know that's right? Well, so is a married couple. You never stop living out of the original covenant. You live according to it. You live by it. You live from it. Everything's about it. Every, you never forget it. You don't just leave it at the altar that 20-some years ago, but you always carry, amen, the life of that covenant in, in your marriage. And so that's what this is all about. It's about covenant. So marriage reflects God's covenant. And that's what's so wonderful about it, because when we practice God's instructions in marriage, we really activate the promises of the covenant of marriage. Do you guys know, then realize, many people have a hard time with the Ten Commandments. But did you know that the Ten Commandments, especially when it came to things about lust and other things, did you know the commandments were written and given to protect marriage and love? Did you know that? That's why the commandments were given. The commandments, thou shalt not uh, you know, commit adultery, was that you would protect marriage. That you would protect love. That you would able to uphold the standard of love. Is that? Come on, everybody, right? And so when we walk in God's instructions, not only do we activate God's promises, but then we uphold God's standard for marriage and love. And I don't know if you knew that or not. Many people saw the Ten Commandments as, okay, yeah, it brought me to the cross, and now I don't need them anymore. But how many know the Holy Spirit's still leading you in commandments and instructions to have a good marriage, to protect your marriage, to keep uh, love and protect love? And to maintain it. That's why the commandments were given. And so when we read the instructions from the Bible, they're not just rules and regulations of what to do, what not to do. They're protect, to protect us and to protect our marriage and to grow our marriage. And so there's a blessing when we follow and obey the commandments of God. Why? Because it's part of His covenant. Part of the covenant of God. And I love the covenant of God. How many appreciate God's covenant with us? Amen. But how many know God also really uh, defines good marriages and strong families about the covenants that we made with each other? So if God's really everything that revolves around God's covenant He made with us, how many know a good marriage has to revolve around the covenant we made with each other? Think about it. So if if God works that way, how many know we need to work that way? And so God shows us true love through His covenant. He shows us His commitment through His covenant. But He expects us to do the same thing. How many know the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you anywhere different than where God's gone himself, right? And so he's going to lead you in that place, amen, of covenant. He's going to lead you in a place of keeping your promises and making a promise and keeping it. And so I just want to give you a few things about uh, the covenant we have through marriage. I believe it's three things it's commitment, amen, and it's connection and consistency. I love three things and I love C's. Amen. My wife will tell you that. So it, it's really that commitment. How many know we've got some committal issues in our generation? We've got some commitment. If people don't like what they're, where they're working, they walk off the job. How many know if you work, walk off a job, it doesn't hurt the company. It hurts your family. Well, I don't need this. I can get a better job. I can just go live on assistance. I'll just do this. I don't need you. I don't need somebody telling me what to do. How many know we've got some commitment issues? Amen. I just, You know, if I don't like the way that my wife does this or I don't like this anymore, I feel like I want to go over here, I'll just pack my bags. I'm going to go. I'm just going to leave. You know, that should never be a, an option in our minds when we have an argument with our spouse. Amen? Commitment. So there's connection and there's consistency. And so a covenant is a promise. A covenant is a vow. God made a promise with us through Jesus. It's a swearing up. And so that's why the Bible says don't just swear on anything. Amen. if you're going to make a promise, it's got to be serious. It's, It's a swearing. It's a pledging. And so how many remember these vows and promises you took? I, Matt, take you, Rachel, to be my wedded wife. How many remember you did something like that? Some of you did traditional vows. Some of you did, you made your own up. Uh, you know, I, I take you as my wedded wife to from this day forward to have and to hold for better for worse, for richer for poor, in sickness and health, right? I'm gonna love you no matter what. And it says until death do us part, and therefore I pledge you my life. How many of you remember that? You remember the whole for better for worse and for richer for poor for sickness and health? How many have kept your bargain up on the poorer part? <laughs> the sicker part <laughs> and the worse part. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, some, some of us said, I, could, I can honestly say to my wife, I've kept my promise. And uh, amen. But uh, we're working on the richer part. Amen. Hallelujah. But you made a vow, you made a commitment, and 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 that day when you made that moment, wherever it was, you know, you 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 really began to attach yourself to a commitment. And it was more about, it was more just about that day, the covenant you were making at the altar, but it was a covenant you were gonna live in for the rest of your life. Think about it. And so many people, I think they just kind of randomly say these words and they rattle off these words, not realizing, wait a second, I'm going to be held to this commitment for the rest of my life. Everything is going to revolve around this covenant I'm making before God today. Wow. And I think if we thought a little bit more about the covenant that we have, maybe we'd act a little bit different. Maybe couples would be together today if they really went back and remembered the commitment and the vow that they made. And said, you know what, I'm going to keep that vow today. Amen. And so this is what marriage is about. It's about love. And commitment. And so uh, I like what one person uh, said, one author said, it's not the love that makes the marriage, it's the marriage that makes the love. And so we are, we're working on these things and we're doing these things. And so commitment has to do with with a few things. I just wrote some things down about commitment. It's dedication. Commitment is dedication. It's just faithfulness. You're just faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. I mean, you know, in a marriage you don't always have, you know, uh, just those... You know, awesome days. Some days it's, you know, you go to work, you come home, you eat supper, you go to bed. Amen. But how many know you're still faithful? There's a commitment there. There's a dedication there. There's a commitment there. Amen. I wanted to be more in your life than just doing that, by the way. Amen. But there's a faithfulness. And so when you're committed, it means that you live out of the promise that you made. It, you, 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 because of that promise that you made, you're committed to that person. And so commitment is a few things. You're committed to love. You're committed to change. You're, you're, I mean, you changing. How many know I'm talking about? Not the other person, but you changing. You're committed to staying. You're committed to protecting and maintaining and, and building and growing. You're committed to those things. And Whatever it costs, that's what you're committed to. And you're committed to... And how many know it's very easy, your first year of marriage? How many remember how easy it was? I'm committed to everything. Oh, yeah, I got it. Amen. Let's talk 25 years later. And let's see how the commitment is. And so we need to stay committed and uh, we're, you know, really our culture is not marriage friendly. Our culture, how many know our fallen nature is not marriage friendly? Did you know that? Now we're relationship friendly. We want relationships, uh, but we want it based on how we feel and our, by our rules and our, come on, the way we want to do it. But not the way God necessarily wants to do it. So on our, on our society is not marriage friendly. It only takes a godly person or a person who fears the Lord to walk in what God wants. And so we have to understand that it, it, we're surrounded by things that are, are kind of pulling us away from dedication. Getting our commitment to something else and someone else. And another thing and another way and another job and another hobby. We're constantly having to work at commitment and dedication. And I believe that God is preparing, one of the things that God does is God prepares our kids for not just purpose in life, but family. We have to be committed as parents to prepare our kids for family. I don't know what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks, about preparing your kids for life. But you've got to prepare your kids for family. You've got to teach your kids uh, godly things, not just for your peace, not just to make you look good, or you can, have, you can say that I have good kids. But how many know you're preparing them for a family? They've got to live with uh, somebody else. They've got, to, they've got to be functional. They've got to stay married for the rest of their life. You're preparing them for commitment. You're preparing them for dedication and faithfulness and to one person for the rest of their life. Amen. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And so purpose and family really will never, will never discover these things until we're really, really uh, in a right relationship with God. So that's where it's important to build on these principles of the Lord. And the second thing, not just dedication, what commitment is, is commitment is respect. I know we're going to talk a little bit about this in the next few weeks, and we can go on about this. People don't like this part of marriage, it's, but it's, it's real, and we've got to talk about it. But there is a respect element. But let me just say this, that respect starts before romance oh yes it does teach your children that respect before romance amen come on we want to we want to get out the romance and no it's respect before romance the bible says that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled how does marriage get honorable and how does the bed stay undefiled it's because before you were married the bed was undefiled come on somebody and marriage was honorable I'm not saying you did everything right, but I'm just saying that that's the way it is. And so it has to be that way. So we we know that respect comes before romance as we teach our children. But also is that really many times as a culture we're living in and the nature that we try to live out of, we try to gain respect through control or domination or forced submission. But how many know you don't get respect that way? That's not what respect is. That's what the Bible talks about. But it's valuing the other person as much as God values them. It's it's putting a value on other people that God places on them. God put such a value on you that he sent his son to the earth and gave up his life, gave everything he had, died a criminal's death, a painful death for you because he valued your life. So we need to have that value for each other. That's respect. You know, none of this, woman, you're going to respect me. That doesn't work. Certainly doesn't work in my house. Doesn't work. So that's not respect. That's not how you gain respect. It's something you grow into together. Respect and building it together. We, and you know, we ever notice this is that we respect people who are famous. Do you ever notice that? How we respect famous people, popular people, rich people. That's usually who we respect. We respect people that stayed at an arm length that really don't know us. We respect those kind of people. But it's people that, as the Bible teaches us, that we need to honor and respect that know us, that are close to us, that we live with. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that we need to be subject to one another. Amen. It's easy to respect people you don't know. It's not that easy to have respect for people that you know very intimately. Amen. But that's true respect. It's not something that you can say, well, I really, really respect my boss. And, but, you know, it, what about your husband? What about your wife? Wow, that, that's kind of a tender issue there. Anyway, so respect is something that builds love between us. And it really strengthens our commitment to one another because we value one another. And when we don't respect each other, you can't receive from each other. So when you don't respect somebody, you can't hear them. You won't listen to them. You won't hear what they have to say. You won't hear their heart because you don't respect them. And the third thing is sincerity. Did you know that commitment builds sincerity? And you can only really be committed and committed and dedicated to somebody when you're sincere about it. You can't be fake about commitment. How many know what I'm talking about? You can't fake commitment uh, for so long, but you're dedicated to it. So it's sincerity. So sincerity is something that that makes love sincere and it makes it true. It makes it genuine. It's and here's what it is. Here's what makes love sincere. Number one is singular. It's singular. It's focused on one. It's singular. It's about one. It's frequent. It's consistent. It's honest. It's transparent and humble. That's what makes love sincere. I like that word transparent there. We don't really use that a whole lot when we talk about marriage. But that's it's just an incredible, again, I'm going to talk about these later. But being transparent doesn't mean being hurtful. Being transparent to a lot of people. I'm just being real. How many know being transparent doesn't mean being hurtful? Come on, somebody. Being transparent leads to intimacy. Transparency leads to intimacy. And many people are lacking intimacy in their relationship because there's really not a transparency. Maybe because a lack of trust or a hurt or whatever it is, a guard is up or uh, there's pride issues there. And so we want to be genuine. We want to be sincere. And when you're sincere, you, it strengthens your commitment to somebody. Amen. And so the second thing, we talked about commitment. The second thing, I'll go through these quickly, and that is connection. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 6, Jesus was preaching and teaching about marriage. He was questioned about it, and he said this, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, we read that, made them male and female, he, and said, Jesus said this, Therefore, quoted from what we just talked about, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one, and therefore God has whatever God has joined together, let no man separate, no man put asunder, as the King James says. Jesus was teaching on marriage, and this is what he said that the two become one there 's a connection there, and so many people don 't have a good marriage because they 're not making a good connection they after years of marriage, they still haven 't learned to connect well together they haven 't learned to live well together. there needs to be a connection, and the very first connection it is when we make that covenant before the lord that there's a connection there and, and then and as we move on and physically emotionally there's a connection there and so this, this is part of really the commitment that the lord teaches us about and there's that connection together amen i mean you know you need some good connection good chemistry in a, in a marriage and so two hearts become one flesh think about it two hearts become one flesh and so God created them, not those two, as we read earlier. But really part of the sealing of the covenant is joining together. That's part of a covenant. You cannot have a covenant with somebody if you do not join together. There has to be a joining. There has to be a coming together. Not just an agreement on paper. But there has to be an exchange. There has to be an agreement and a joining together. And of course we're in a spiritual covenant, so there is a spiritual Joining together. How many know that you are in Christ and Christ is in you? When you were baptized in water, the Bible says that now we are in Christ, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us. There is a joining, and that's what makes the covenant between us and the Lord so strong and so good. There is a joining, there is a connection. And of course, the Bible says here what God has put together, let no man Put asunder, we don't use that word, but really what it means is, is that God joins together, man splits apart. So whatever God has put together, don't let any man, don't let any, any any person come between it. That means put to put a room between it, a space between it, to get away, to separate or to depart from it. Don't let any man allow separation to come between this connection of you and your spouse. That's what it means. And so it means uh, this asunder word is powerful because it doesn't mean just something that, uh, you know, well, well, we, I, I've allowed too much TV, I've been watching too much TV, and we really haven't spent time together. And that's what it means. It's talking about uh, spiritually and emotionally there's something between you. Some, somebody or something is coming between you. The Bible says don't let anything or anybody come between you. Keep working at the connection, amen, that we have with each other. That's what it means. Amen. Hallelujah. So it also means don't uh, allow quitting to be an option. Don't abandon. Don't end it. Don't break it up. Don't walk away from it. Don't neglect it. And so I understand, and we'll talk about this in the next several months. There's many things that we could say here. I'm putting a general emphasis on this today. What about what the Bible says about marriage and obviously there's a lot of things that, uh, that there's times that we, we've just experienced a brokenness and an ending and a walking away and abandonment. We abandonment. There's times that it's necessary and times that you have to as the Bible teaches. But overall, the Bible says what God has joined together, don't let anybody separate. How many know that the devil, if he hates marriage, he's going to have a plan to get you separated? He's going to allow unforgiveness. He's going to allow a situation or other people or family to get between you, to get in there and say listen and say listen, this is causing you to stay apart. And how many know as long as the longer we stay apart, we're divided and and we're not walking together in agreement as a, as a married couple? How many know then then it's like then the devil really has an open door. He has opportunity. And and we don't want that in our homes and our families, do we? Amen. Amen course, if you're watching too much TV and you're not spending time with your wife, you do need to deal with that. But it it means something more. It means something uh, greater than that. And it is a spiritual thing. But how many know if we walk according to God's word and really love one another, we're going to be connected. Nothing is going to be able to get in between us. There's no room. There's just absolutely no room. It's so tight. We're so together. Come on. It's like a weld. You're just not going to get in there. You're just not going to allow something to come in there that easy. Amen. I love that. And so the third thing is uh, winding up is consistency. We talked about commitment and connection and consistency. Again, we're going to be talking about this as we go through the series. And consistency is to maintain it, to live in it, to hold on to it, to protect it, to grow in it, to pass it on. That's a really a consistency in our marriage is not just that we'll be, have no fighting between us, but consistency in our marriage is that we'll pass it on to our children that we'll be able to have a consistency in our marriage, in our relationship, that we'll learn some things in our marriage we'll be able to teach other people. Come on, our children, we'll be able to teach our children. Look, I've learned some things. How many know kids, you know, they, especially when they're teenagers, you, you, you know, you got these little kids and you're teaching them this, and what does it mean that, and what is that, Daddy, and what is that? And then all of a sudden, you, as they get to be teenagers, there's like these different people living in your house. It's like new people. They, who are these people living in your house? You know, it's amazing. Uh, we kind of tease our one uh, son who just we became a teenager. We said, it's so amazing, and I'm so honored to have somebody in my house that knows everything. I'm blown away. I'm just absolutely blown away. It, it just, it, I'm so, I can't believe it. I, I, I just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And you know, one of the things we told our kids, we may not have culture experience, but we have life experience. And you may not know everything about the Bible, may not know everything about the latest technology, but you've got life experience. And those are the things that we need to speak into our children. We'll cover that in the next few weeks. But consistency is passing it on. And marriage really goes beyond, as we talked about this, really goes beyond the altar with the covenant. But it goes in that that covenant of the altar. Amen. It's not just something we did at that altar, but it's that that experience of the covenant that we tarry with us. And so consistency is like that fruit that the Bible teaches us about love, that it is a fruit and it grows and it becomes more consistent. And we as the more we grow, the more we rely on the source and we become more consistent in our commitment to one another, our love for one another. Marriage becomes consistent. How many know your family needs to see that you're consistent in how you love each other? Your marriage, your family needs to see, your neighbors need to see it, that you're consistent. And how much you love God, but how much you love uh, your family. And so I believe that there's three things that really influence marriage positively in a positive way. Number one, salvation. Salvation just influences a marriage in a positive way. When we're born again, we understand how God feels about us, who we are in God. We understand covenant and we can live that out. In our marriage and we can just go ahead and say hey I because God loves me so much as the Bible teaches me I need to love my wife that way I need to love my husband that way Uh, the Word of God so salvation scriptures the Word of God and then the church the church really kind of influences our marriages in a positive way why because two people have one heart that's what it is but there's three things that influence a marriage in a negative way obviously sin as from the very beginning influence marriage in a negative way. Our fallen nature that we've got to continue to die to, as Jesus taught us that and Paul taught us. And then society. And you know, when you don't have the Lord, it's like two people with no covenant. You just can't experience the covenant that you have in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today I just want to end uh, really just this first, I don't know how long it's going to take or whatever we're going to do, but talking about family matters. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say family matters today? Amen. My marriage matters. Amen. Commitment matters. Being being genuine matters. Being connected matters. These things matter. And so I want to just let you know today that, encourage you, that if you're a young person, you're single, uh, I want to encourage you that you need to just strengthen your relationship with the Lord and learn family. Learn family from other people in the church. Learn family from people at your work. Learn what family is all about. How many are thankful that the Bible says that God puts the solitary in families? Amen? So even single people and single parents, they can learn how to, to be a family. I love that. And if you're married, you need to strengthen your covenant today, your promise that you made. Work on that. Live from that. Remember that. Say, I made a commitment to you. I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to uh, be more of a blessing, be a little nicer today, or whatever. Work on that. And if, you know, if you're a single parent, I want to encourage you today that really to walk in your covenant that you have with God and raise your kids. For the glory of God. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? I want us to do something in closing today. And I said something at the very beginning. I went a little long today. But I'm just again just starting this series. And so uh, thank you for your patience. But can we do something in closing today? I uh, talked about this at the very beginning. You know can we just bless all the marriages? Can we do that? I wonder if we can pray. First of all we want to pray for you. Can we pray for one another? Can we do that? Can we bless all the children that are in here and, and our families that are represented? Some aren't here today. Can Let's do that. Let's pray for the marriages. And let, then let's pray for our community. How many know we want to reverse any curse that the enemy trying to put on our family and this generation, in this city, anything that's going on, amen, And in, in this city that's really bringing a curse on marriages and family? We, we, we really oppose it in Jesus' name. And we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in such a way that... Amen. The Bible says that don't try to just, don't just try to be good, but overcome evil with good. And I believe that when we live out God's principles, we overcome evil. And so the more we do it in our family, the more we believe in it, the more we preach it, I believe the more we'll see it and the more people are impacted in our city. So let's do that. Can we lift our hands to heaven? And let's just pray for one another. Let's pray for all the marriages, first of all. Lord, this was your plan from the beginning. We bless all the marriages, Lord. I bless all the single parents, Lord. I bless all the single people, Lord. I bless them in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us what true family is all about. Lord, I pray that you would saturate our homes with family. Saturate our homes with love and joy and peace, Lord. Teach us to move and live and be family. Lord, we pray for all the marriages. Bless them. Let them be strengthened today. Let them have new joy today. Be refreshed, Lord, as in the first day when they fell in love. Lord, I pray that they would be refreshed in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless all the children. We bless all the kids and the children, Lord. And Lord, if they're, whether they live in a a two-parent home, one-parent home, or, or don't have parents, Lord, today, we bless them in Jesus' name. Bless them, Lord. Bless all the teenagers, Lord. Give them understanding and strength, Lord. And courage to live out the gospel in a very uh, a loud way, Lord, in their generation, Lord. We bless the kids and the teenagers, Lord, and those in his house, Lord. Lord, now we turn our attention, our focus on our city. We bless the marriages. We bless all the children and young people and teenagers, Lord. We bless the marriages in Jesus' name. They may not even know you yet, Lord, but I bless their union in Jesus' name. Let them know what love is. Show them who you are through their marriage. Let them begin to discover Jesus through their marriage, Lord. I don't know how you can do that, but you can do that, Lord. I pray that, Lord, this would be a city that has the lowest divorce rate in the whole area. Lord, the lowest, Lord, abandoned rate. Lord, The, the you name Lord, we want, Lord, marriages to increase, the success of marriage, the commitment of marriage, the length of marriage, the rate of marriage to increase in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that this would be a valley known for great marriages, Lord, for great families, Lord, for a family, Lord, centered valley, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord, and we just believe all these things in Jesus' name. Lord, lastly, I pray for those that do not know you, I pray, Lord, that if they don't know you today, that you will show your love to them. And I pray that you would just floor them with your love, Lord. Let them know and sense the absolute measure, all the measure of your grace and your mercy and your love that you have for them today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for us, for them today, Lord. And I I praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. Help us as a church move as a family, live as a family, reach other families, and teach other people what it is to be a family in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, can can we give God a cheer today?